Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, I want you to take your Bible this morning, and let's go to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel this morning, and we're going to be there in 1 Samuel, and... um, Chapter number five is the chapter we're going to be in. First Samuel chapter five, get everything set up here. First Samuel chapter number five, and again, I'm just thankful that we uh, we can meet this morning, even though we're not physically together. Uh, I, I know I said this last week, and I maybe mentioned it a little bit, but I'm thankful for technology. And really, I, I want to say this publicly: I'm super thankful uh, for our staff. And Robert and Brian have really just been knocking it out of the park, figuring this out. And I come in every day, and there's a new setup and a new thing. And uh, Pastor, check this out here. Look, we can we can do it this way, or we can put the. I think you'll notice that we don't have the screen on the TV or the platform today. You have everything there, and and I appreciate them figuring that out and praise the Lord for it. And I know that, um, you know, really 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we never would have been able to, uh, I mean, if this something like this would have happened, folks would have uh, had to figure something else out. Uh, and yet we're able to now because of technology. And we just want to praise the Lord for it. And so I want to tell you, uh, thank you for being adaptable and uh, for growing during this time. And really, uh, before we get in the message, I want to encourage you, uh, during this time, let's not let the devil use it uh, to discourage us. Man, God is opening some doors right now. I'm getting, uh, I think, at least once or twice a week, we're getting a text message or an email or a Facebook message from somebody who's not even uh, a part of our church that has been watching from our community, and it's been an encouragement to them. And so, man, God is working. And so let's just stay faithful and continue pursuing him. And in your life, I want to tell you, God is working as well. And so just keep moving forward for the Lord and uh, allowing God to grow you during this time. Well, First Samuel chapter number 5 this morning, coming back into our series, A Personal God, uh, studying out the book of First Samuel. And as we get to the, uh, the word of God this morning, just want to ask you, I want to ask you if you've ever tried to get someone's attention uh, and you couldn't. I mean, for the life of you, you could not get them to either look your way or to maybe answer your phone call or your text message. I th- I'm thinking about times in my life uh, when maybe Hannah will be here at the church and uh, maybe she'll be getting ready to, uh, to leave and so she'll get in her car and I'll be here in the, in the office maybe and I'll think, oh, there's one more thing I want to tell her. And so I'll go to the front door and I'll go out the door and right when I do, she's uh, backing the car up and I'm going, Hannah, Hannah, and I'm yelling real loud towards her. And then she begins to drive through the, uh, the driveway a little bit. Those of you that know our parking lot, she begins to drive through the parking lot a little bit and, and going forward. And I'm, I'm kind of yelling at her. By now, I'm pulling my phone out. By now, I'm pulling, uh, pulling my phone out, and I'm talking to her and, and uh, trying to talk to her. I'm calling or I'm texting, and she's not answering. And so there finally comes a point where I'm just running along the sidewalk, along the church, waving, trying to get my wife's attention and sometimes to no avail. The car just pulls out and she gets down the road and about 10 minutes go by and she calls, hey, I missed your phone call. And I'm like, yes, and you also missed me chasing you down the parking lot. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there. I will say it's a lot easier during the winter time when we have snow because then I just pick up snowballs and start throwing them at the car and usually that'll get her attention. But you know what? We've all been there. 
We've been there in times when we're trying to get someone else's attention or when somebody else is trying to, to get our attention. I wanna tell you this morning as we come to the message and we come to the word of God, we're going to actually see a portion in scripture where I believe God is trying to get some people's attention. It's kind of like God saying, can I get your attention, please? Hey, would you focus back up here? And not only do I see God trying to get the attention of his people, but I see God also trying to get the attention of even the enemies of God. And so we're going to look at this this morning and to help us, we're going to kind of jump back, of course, as I said, into 1 Samuel. If you've been in our study, I, I, I won't recap it all this morning, but maybe you're uh, brand new here and haven't uh, been a part of our study. I'll just tell you real quick that we're going through this study, the book of Samuel. It's really right now of a young man by the name of Samuel. He was born to his, his mother, Hannah, and God blessed her with a child at a time in her life when she was going through uh, depression and really uh, just a, a time of bitterness of soul, the Bible says. And she turned her focus to the Lord and prayed to him and God answered that prayer and blessed her with a son. And, and she then in turn uh, gave that child Samuel back to the Lord. And uh, so Samuel would be raised actually in the house of, of God, the tabernacle of God as a priest. And later he would become a prophet and a judge uh, for the children of Israel. And we've been traveling through his life. We've seen the difference between him and the other young men raised there, Hophni and Phinehas. And they were raised in the house of Eli. And yet, uh, we saw two different paths. We saw that a few weeks ago. And then uh, we were blessed to kind of look at the character of Samuel and see how he was just a surrendered young man and loved the Lord. And God used that and, and built him up. And Samuel's life was, was not perfect by any means. And yet, God still used that time to, or, or used him in a great way and blessed him. And then last week, if you were with us, we saw the children of Israel ill-advisedly going to war with the Philistines. And they go to war with the Philistines, and because of this, uh, God allowed them to face defeat. They didn't seek the Lord. They weren't close to God. As a matter of fact, if you go to the book of Judges, the last part of the book of Judges, it says that this was a time when everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. And that really describes the people at that time. They were just doing that which was right in their own eyes, no care for everybody else. That's where the children of Israel were. And, and so they go to war against the Philistines. And we actually see last week that God allowed them to be defeated. And the reason was because they forgot some things. If you were with us last week, we'll remember that they forgot that God is someone, not something. Remember, they put their faith in the ark of God rather than the God of the ark. And so we saw they forgot that God is someone, not something. And then they also forgot God's capability and they leaned on their own cleverness. If you were with us last week, you'll remember that they thought, how can we manipulate this and how can we overcome this enemy? And they not once did they turn to God and think, you know what, maybe God has this. Maybe we could turn to him and seek him. And then the third thing they forgot, they forgot that it's about God's presence, not my perception. You see, they perceived, well, if we have the ark, uh, then we must have the power of God. But the truth is that God is not in a thing, that God is a person who wants us to seek him and seek his presence. And when we have the presence of God walking with us and we're walking in the spirit and when we are uh, understanding uh, his plan for us each and every day, man, that's when God can show up and really begin working in our life. And so we were with the children of Israel last week when they forgot all of those things. But today we're gonna come again to 1 Samuel 5 and we're gonna discover God with the children of Israel and the enemies of God saying, hey, can I get your attention? 
Let me get your attention. I want you, if you would, to take your Bible in 1 Samuel chapter number 5. We're going to read a portion from chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 today. And so as we get started right there, 1 Samuel chapter number 5, why don't you look with me and discover this as we begin reading in verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 1, we read this. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord, and they took Dagon and set him up in his place again. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. It's a great portion of scripture. It'll be very humorous to us in just a moment. But we see at this beginning, the Philistines, they now have the ark of God. You'll remember this. They have the ark of the Lord. They bring it in. They're going to kind of worship it as a God, add it to their gods. But the Bible tells us that God would use the ark to judge the Philistines. And I want you to notice what takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 6. 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verse number 1, it says this, And the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners, saying, What shall we do to the ark of the Lord? It was causing them trouble. Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. So now you have the Philistines seeking their religious leaders. Hey, the ark is causing us trouble. This God of the ark is uh, judging us, and we'll see how he judged them in just a moment. What, What are we supposed to do? They seek. And so the advice is given. Skip down to verse number 12. Verse number 12, and the kine, uh, the cattle, took the straight way to the way of Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them unto the border of Beth Shemesh. They send the ark back to the children of Israel. The children of Israel receive it. Some things take place. Now jump down to 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 3. It says this, and Samuel, 20 years have passed by now. Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines." As we look at this again this morning, we're going to watch, and we're going to go through, I'm going to explain all these verses in just a minute, these passages But we're going to watch as God allows some challenging circumstances and brings challenging circumstances into the lives of the Philistines and the lives of the Israelites. And I believe the purpose, one of the purposes of these trials was to simply turn attention back to the Lord. God is going to work in such a way to say to the Philistines, hey, I want you to know who I really am. He's going to work in such a way to say to the Israelites, hey, I'm going to allow some things because I want you to know who I am. And I think this message will be a big help to each of us, especially in the time in which we're living. And so let's just, uh, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask him to speak to us today, and then we'll get right into the message. Lord, I want to come before you and thank you for the word of God. And Father, I pray that as we uh, go through the word this morning, that you'd help each one of us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. 
I pray, Father, we are open ears and open mind and open hearts to you today. And then, Lord, I pray that if there's someone that is uh, following the feed this morning that's online, watching the service with us, and they do not know you as Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day that they come to know you as Savior. They realize your love for them and that your desire to see them in eternity and your desire to save their soul. And Father, I pray that you help every person that does know you as Savior. God, that today would be a day where uh, we allow you to speak to us and to work in our lives. And Lord, that today would be a day that you get our attention. Turn our focus back to you. Help us to experience that renewal and revival again of that walk with you. We love you and we pray that you bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we start this morning, we find the Ark of God in chapter number five in the possession of the Philistines. If you'll recall, when the, Phil- or when the uh, Israelites went to war with the Philistines, God allowed some, allowed some things to take place that Israel did not like. Number one, the Ark was taken. And the Ark at that time, of course, it was supposed to be something that would draw attention to the Lord, but instead it was kind of a, a little false god that, that they had set up. Uh, Israel was looking to it for power. We saw that last week when they said, let's bring it among us, and it, the Ark, maybe it will save us, and they forgot God. So God allowed the Ark to be taken. God also allowed Hophni and Phinehas, those two wicked priests who had really defiled the office, God allowed them to be killed. Because of that, Eli, their father, he was killed. And then we found Phinehas' wife in childbirth. And in childbirth, she heard that uh, her husband and her brother-in-law and her father-in-law were killed. And the ark was taken. And in childbirth, she names her son Ichabod. The glory of God has departed. And then she dies. And so... Really, we're coming out of a, a terrible time for the children of Israel. Over 50,000 people killed in battle. Their leaders now dead. Uh, them looking to the situation. And really, it was kind of a thing where all of them were saying, this is hopeless. Man, God has given up on us. The glory of God has departed from us. But they didn't, again, they forgot that it's not about that box. It was about the God of the ark, the God of the box. And as you come to our passage then, we find all those things have just taken place. The ark is in the uh, the custody, the uh, the possession, the custody. The ark is in the possession of the Philistines, and I believe in our passage, as we said a moment ago, that we're going to find God trying to get the attention of His people and the attention of the Philistines. And I want you to see, first of all, with me today, that in order to get some atten- get the attention, that God removed some things. I want you to see God removing some things, and I believe this is seen for us in chapter number five. As we get to chapter number five and we see God trying to get the attention of some folks, specifically, I believe God's trying to get the attention of the Philistines. Now, there's something I need to say before we get to this thought. Many people would look at uh, at the God of the Old Testament. It's the same God of the New Testament. God didn't change. But they would look and say, well, God didn't love the Philistines in the Old Testament. Um, I would beg to differ. And the reason is because when you look in Scripture and you find anybody who was an enemy of God, when you find them repenting and turning to God, you always find acceptance from God. I can think right now, a few weeks ago, we studied Rahab, right? Rahab, the harlot from uh, uh, the town of Jericho. And what do you find in the book of Matthew? You find her in the lineage of Christ. She was uh, the great, 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 two greats or three great grandmother of David, King David. And so she's one that she was an enemy of God. 
she repented, turned to the Lord, and what God do? God accepted her. Uh, you know, God's looking for that repentance and that turning to him. And so I believe God was even trying to give the Philistines a chance. And I think you see that multiple times. And I want you to see God trying to get their attention, first of all, by removing idolatry. Removing idolatry. Let's remember who the Philistines are. They're the enemies of the Lord. They were, <coughs> excuse me, they were in the land uh, uh, of Canaan. They were in that promised land. And God had told the children of Israel to uh, destroy them or drive them out in the book of Judges. And God, again, tried to use some things to point them to him. But they are some of the people that Israel had failed to drive out. And so they would become persecutors of the Hebrews uh, for generations to come. Well, now they've taken the ark, this sacred thing that is supposed to point people to God. It's now in the hands of the enemy. But that's not necessarily all bad. And here's why. God's going to use the ark again to try to point the Philistines to who he is. We just read what took place. The ark goes in and in chapter number five, the Philistines take the ark and they set it up in the temple of their god, Dagon. Uh, Dagon was, uh, it's a very interesting study. The god of Dagon is kind of the, the fish god. They say this god originated with the Canaanites and was kind of uh, something that we would draw maybe a mermaid from or something like that. But man, as I'm doing research and looking at, at these images of Dagon, uh, it's kind of just comical to me, but this is their god. And so what do they do? They take the ark of God and they set it up in the temple of Dagon. Well, what are they trying to do? What, what, what's kind of the symbolism here? It's almost them adding the ark as a god, an idol, to their god Dagon. It would be like many religions today that have multiple gods. I think about uh, many religions out, uh, out in, the, uh, in the east that have uh, millions of gods that they worship and temples where shrines are set up to literally hundreds and even thousands of gods. That's kind of what's taking place in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter number 5. And so they set this up, and, and they go to bed. They get up the next morning. What do they find? They find Dagon, their fish god, down just on his, on his face. Well, they set him back up. They set Dagon back up. Think, ah, it's just kind of weird that he's fallen. They set him back up. And the next day, they come in, and I... I found a, an old artist's rendering of what it might have been like. They come in and they see Dagon falling on his face again. That next day, his head is severed and his hands are severed. The Bible says, leaving only the stump. Verse number, uh, verse number four, it says that those things were cut off and only the stump of Dagon was left to him. So now it's just a body and a little fin, you know, just right there on the ground. And I want you to see the result of this. Look at verse number five. We didn't read it, but I want you to see it. Verse number five, right there. You're gonna have to look in your Bible. It's not on the screen. It says, therefore, neither the priests of Dagon nor any that came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. You know what that means? They superstitiously, they were like, whoa, what is taking place? This ark, this God is stronger than our God we're scared to even go into that room anymore, into that temple anymore. And up until that writing of 1 Samuel chapter number 5, it said they had not gone into the threshold. They haven't crossed the doorpost of that God. Now, if you were to go, what you find, and I believe in this part of this chapter, God is trying to help them understand who he is. 
hey, even though, you're, even though you have the, uh, the worship of the ark and, and they're worshiping the ark, they understand that that ark belongs to the God of Israel. And we're going to see that in just a minute. You know what God's doing? He's trying to remove idolatry from them. He's trying to help them understand there are no gods before me. And, and uh, they need to understand that God is, is trying to set him up as the one and true and only God. So I see God removing idolatry. But I also then, if you continue, you see God removing health. He removes some things. He removes idolatry, but then he removes some health. As disturbing as it is, if you continue reading, you're going to discover that the Lord truly affects the health of the Philistines. We won't take time to do it, but on your own time, maybe this afternoon, read 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 6 through 12. What you find there is that God affects their health. He removes good health from them. He brings, uh, he, and I'm not trying to be gross or vile this morning, but he brings hemorrhoids into their lives. And then he brings just complete death. The Bible actually describes it well in 1 Samuel chapter 5 and verse number 11. Here's how it defines those next few months in Ashdod with the people there and with, in Gath and those different cities. It says, So they sent and gathered all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go again to his place, that it slay us not and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. Again, I'm not going to get into all the details of it. Uh, you can read that. But 1 Samuel chapter number 5, what takes place is God literally affects the health of the entire Philistine army and of the entire Philistine civilization. What they do is they begin to move the ark from Ashdod to Gath. And, and they kind of, hey, we don't want it in Ashdod. You guys take it up in Gath. Well, we don't want it. And everywhere the ark went, the health of the people was, was affected. And God allowed destruction and death death to be taking place. Now, the question then would come into our mind, why was God doing this? I mean, why was the Lord allowing this to take place? And I believe that through this entire ordeal, the Lord was trying to point the Philistines to who he was. We know that the Lord, he desires that all people would see him as God. And I believe that he was giving them yet another chance. If you were to go back, you would find in chapter number four that the Philistines, they were scared of the people of God because they were scared of the stories that they had heard. Hey, we're going to go up against, man, uh, it was when the ark got brought back into the camp and uh, back in chapter number four, and the Philistines said, oh no, the ark is there. This is the ark that they carried over with Egypt and that they carried in over the Red Sea. And this is the ark and began going over these things, thinking that it was the ark that did all of these things. When you and I, we read our Bible, we know it wasn't the ark. It was God. You know what God's doing in chapter 5? He's trying to help them. They had heard the stories of the God of Israel, but the Lord was trying to help them understand, I can be your God as well. I can be your God. I'm reaching out to you as well. He's trying to remove some things in their life to get them to look to him. In removing idolatry, I'm reminded of Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse number 7, where the Lord says, Thou shalt have none other gods before me. Man, I want you to worship me and me alone. That's them removing Dagon. And when the Lord removed their health, he's trying to help them understand, hey, this is not just coincidence. We'll see that in a second. It's not just coincidence. I am try God was trying to draw them to him. And I'll tell you why I don't think this is the main application of the passage. I simply want to point out that the Lord can still do this. Sometimes God wants to remove some things in our lives to draw us back to him. 
This doesn't mean that every health trial or everything that is taken out of our life is because of God trying to get our attention. But I do think this morning that the Lord, sometimes he needs to remove some things from our lives to turn our focus back upon him. And maybe, maybe a quick challenge for us would be the next time you see your situation change and maybe something being removed, maybe instead of getting frustrated and saying, why did this happen? We should just say, Lord, help this to turn my focus upon you. I'm thinking about the time that we're living in right now uh, with this uh, COVID-19 and all of this. I know many people are, are, are like me in the sense that some, some days I'm looking and going, God, what are you doing? You know what? Maybe I need to back up and say, Lord, help me to focus on you during this time. Help me to look upon the hills from whence cometh my strength, Psalm 121 that we read this morning. God, help this to turn my focus upon you because sometimes in order to turn our focus upon the Lord, he has to remove some things. I see God removed some things this morning, but I want you to notice secondly that God revealed some things. As we move into chapter number six, we find God revealing some things. We have the Philistines here. They're having this great difficulty because of the judgment of God and God trying to turn them to him. And they pass the ark around a little bit. And then as you move into chapter number six, we find what takes place. They call all their priests and their diviners together, their magicians, and they begin to come up with this plan. Notice what it is. First Samuel chapter six and verse one. It says, and the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners saying, what shall we do to the ark of the Lord? Tell us wherewith we shall send it to his place. They're saying, all right, religious leaders, you guys tell us what should we do? Well, verses three through verse nine, verse three through verse nine of chapter number three, the priests begin to tell them what they should do. They should offer up a trespass offering and they send these, uh, these golden images uh, with the ark. And we're also gonna send some gold and some jewels and put some, uh, the plan was we're gonna take two uh, dairy cows and we're gonna separate them from their calves. And then we're going to put the ark upon a new cart. And if those, if those cows leave the calves here in, in Gath or in Ashdod or with the Philistines and they travel all the way back to Beth Shemesh without stopping, then we as the Philistines, we're going to know that this was God and not just a coincidence. But if those, if those cows just kind of wander and meander and, and just go about, then we'll know that this is just coincidence. And so the people, they gather up these images, they gather up the jewels, they make the new cart, they put the ark on the cart, they get the dairy cows, separate them from their calves. And of course, uh, many of you that would maybe know farming would know that that would be totally uh, uh, unlike a mom cow, to, a mama cow to leave its calf, especially during the nursing time. And so they gather all these things and then they set those cows free and you find out what takes place. The cows, those, those cows, those dairy cows, they just go straight back to Beth Shemesh. They go all the way back to Beth Shemesh and the Philistines are watching all of this. Well, why did God do that? Why did he have those dairy cows go all the way back? Because God was trying to reveal to them, this is my power. It is not just coincidence. This is me working. It is not just coincidence. And the Bible says that the men of Beth Shemesh, verse number 13, they receive it. They offer those cows as sacrifices to the Lord, the Levites and others. They take the jewels and they offer more burnt offerings to the Lord. But as the story continues, you find then the children of Israel. 
they look into the ark, something they knew God did not want them to do. And because of this, God brings judgment upon them. And so as you look at 1 Samuel chapter number six, what is God doing? I believe he's revealing to the Philistines and to the people of Israel that he is still God. He's revealing to the Philistines by way of, hey, this wasn't coincidence. The cattle, the cows, they just go right back to Beth Shemesh. They separate from their calves and they, they take that ark back. And then he's revealing to the Israelites, hey, I'm still God. And I, I still expect you to follow me uh, how I put the plan in place. And those men of Beth Shemesh, they then send word to those in Kirjath-Jerim. I'm going through different names and stuff. I'll bring it all together in just a minute. But what happens is they send word to Kirjath-Jerim, and they say, hey, take this ark from us. We don't want it. And so the ark then is taken up to Kirjath-Jerim, and we'll see it more in chapter number 7. But if you were to look at all of this, I believe that in all of this, God was revealing himself to the Philistines and to the people of Israel. The Bible tells us actually in Isaiah chapter 43, God tells the people of Israel about this. Look at it, Isaiah 43, 10 through 12. He says this, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me I, even I am the Lord. And beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and have showed when there was no strange God among you, therefore you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. You know what God often does? He often wants to reveal himself to the people of Israel in Scripture as the one true and powerful God. He was doing it to the Philistines, and he was doing it for Israel. And can I just tell you, in your life and in my life, we may not... Uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that we should pray, well, God, if this happens, then I'll know it's you. And God, if this happens, then I'll know it's you. But I believe that God allows different things to happen in our lives to reveal to us, I am still in control and I am still on the throne. And I see God doing that this morning, revealing some things. But then I also want you to see, thirdly today, that God requested some things. Again, he's trying to get their attention and he does it by requesting some things. If you were to go now, the ark is with the children of Israel. And it is in uh, Kirjath-Jerim. And if you were to go, that ark stayed there for 20 years. If you were to read 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 2, it says this. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, that the time was long. For it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. What takes place here is that... Uh, this phrase that they, all of the house of Israel lamented after the Lord, it's simply helping us understand that it, this brings the children of Israel. It goes to kirjath Jerum, the ark does for 20 years, and it brings the children of Israel to a place of repentance. It brings them to a place of be finally getting it. They were looking at things, and they were beginning to realize just how far they were from the Lord, and they were coming and beginning to get their hearts right with God. And then Samuel gives the people a message. And I want you to catch it with me this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse Verse number three, it says, And Samuel spake unto the Lord, or, or excuse me, unto the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord. Serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. 
Man, Samuel speaks to the people and he calls them to repentance. He gives them four steps to coming back to the Lord. Number one, return to God. Hey, turn your focus back to the Lord. Number two, put the strange gods, the idols that you have, put them away from among you. Number three, prepare your heart, surrender your heart back to God. And then number four, just serve him only. This was the formula for revival for the children of Israel. Hey, there's a situation and God is simply trying to get your attention. Focus back upon him. Get idolatry out of your life. Surrender your heart to him and then serve him alone. And as you and I read this, we will discover that the children of Israel, they actually begin to obey. The Bible goes from 1 Samuel chapter chapter 7, verse number 4, all the way down to chapter 7 and verse number 17, and we discover that the children of Israel are blessed. They return to God, and God blesses that. But I want to give us just a very simple thought before we see the blessing, and that is this, that just as the children of Israel, the truth is when the Lord is wanting our attention, we've got to understand that there are a few things that God requests. There's some things that it takes to just get right with God. And I want you to see them with me. I think we can apply some thoughts from this. Number one, return to him. Man, there are times in our life when we stray from the Lord and when we maybe get away from God. You know what God is trying to do? He uses situations and circumstances or people to reveal some things to us. And he's simply saying, hey, return to me. Hey, turn your focus back upon me. Remember who I am. Remember my love. Remember my desire to work in your life. Number two, I believe uh, the second step is removing idolatry. Now listen, this morning I think many of us would agree that we don't maybe have a little room in our house that has little idols and little figures set up. Many of us probably don't get up and go in there and bow down to those things. and We don't have idolatry in our life that way. No, a lot of us... We have idolatry in our life by way of just the things that we put before God. Anything in your life and my life that we put before God, that's idolatry. It might be a job. You know what? For some people, what God has done, he's removed some hours. He's removed a job. Uh, He's allowed that to happen. It's not necessarily a consequence. It's maybe God just saying, hey, I want you to focus back upon me. I think right now some people have a job that might be an idol. I think some people might have a family or a spouse that could be an idol. Now, should you love your job and do good at it? Yes. Should you uh, admire your spouse and love your spouse and make sure that the, the relationship is healthy and good? Yes. But should I ever put my job or my spouse or my family or my hobbies or maybe a TV show or a sport? Uh, Right now, we can't put sports. There aren't any happening. We can't put them before God. You know what needs to happen sometimes? We need to realize that all of these things, when we put them before God, they can become idolatry. Well, if I'm going to give God my attention, number one, I've got to turn my focus back to him. But number two, I've got to remove idolatry from my heart. And then number three, I just simply surrender my heart to him. Man, surrendering my heart to him. This is that prepare your heart. Man, surrender your heart back to the Lord. God, I want you back in my life. I recognize my need for you and my, the plan that you have in my life. And God, I surrender my heart back to you. And then that fourth thought, serve him and serve him alone. God, I'm done serving me. I'm done serving my flesh. I'm done living my life and making my decisions. No, I turn my focus back to you. And this morning we come and we see God trying to get the attention of Israel. God trying to get the attention of the Philistines. He does it by removing some things and revealing some things. And then he requests some things. I want you to notice lastly with me that God renewed some things. Chapter number 7. If you were to go through the passage, you would find the Philistines. They come again against Israel, verses 7 and 8. 
But you know what Israel does now? This time in chapter seven, they turn to Samuel and they turn to God. Chapter four, that wasn't the case. Chapter four, they went to an ill-advised war. But now they're saying, you know what, God, we need you in our decisions. God, here's a battle that I'm facing and I'm gonna focus my attention back upon you. And so Samuel offers sacrifices to the Lord. They seek God. And you know what God does? You can go read the chapter, 1 Samuel 7 later. God brings them victory. And it's described for us in verse number 13. Notice 1 Samuel 7, verse 13. It says, so the Philistines were subdued. And they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. You know, it took place. And of course, we know this wouldn't be the last time that Israel would walk away from the Lord and need God to bring them back. But at this time and at this situation, at this place in time, the children of Israel, they turn their attention back to God. And you know what God does? He renews the relationship of them and the Lord. He brings revival to the land and he brings them back into a place where now they're finding some victory. Can I just say this morning that sometimes in your life and my life, the reason that maybe we're not seeing a a healthy relationship with us and the Lord, can I tell you that it's the, the fault is often not, all the time, it's not on God. It's not God's fault sometimes that my relationship isn't right with him. Sometimes it's my fault because there's some idolatry there. or It's my fault uh, because I've allowed some separation to get in and I've, I've put some things before the Lord. And you know what God does? God says, I want you to return to me. And when you return to me, I will restore or renew a healthy relationship. And I don't know about you, but I want a healthy relationship with the Lord. Man, I was praying this morning and, of course, showing up here at church a little bit early and just spending time in prayer. And I was just praying this morning, God, help me. Help me to have a renewed relationship. Help me to have a healthy relationship. God, if there's anything in my life, just get it out. You know what? I hope that each and every one of us would do that because the truth is that when we turn our attention back to him, man, he renews some things. He brings revival into our heart. Yes, there's still challenges. Yes, there's still up and downs. Yes, there's still things that come that we don't see coming, but now we travel with the Lord rather than against the Lord. And when we return our focus back upon him, he just renews some things in our life as well. And I want to tell you this morning that definitely while, while much could be said, I simply want to point out that when I look at these chapters, I see God allowing circumstances into the lives of the Philistines and in the lives of Israel to draw their attention back to who he is. And the truth is that in your life and my life, we need to understand that sometimes God allows some situations into our life just to turn our attention back to him, to draw us back to that healthy relationship. Sometimes it it may be because of sin that's in our life that God allows something to happen, but not all the time. Maybe it might be idolatry, but not all the time because I believe there's just times when God brings a challenge into our life just to simply say, I want you to need me. And the Lord just desires for us to be closer to him so that he can work in us and through us once again. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you. Instead of looking at your circumstances or situations as just a frustrating time, understand that God allows those circumstances into our lives to direct our attention back to him. And so Lord, help me. Help me. When I face challenges, when I face situations or circumstances that I don't understand, God, help it just to direct my attention to you. I'm thinking again about COVID-19 in this time. Maybe God is just trying to get our attention. 
We as a country, we're founded upon biblical principles and upon the word of God. But we've gotten away from that. And there's a lot of things that we've put before God. And maybe this is the time when the Lord is simply saying, I want you to turn back to me. But this morning, can I say, before we point the finger at other people or at our situations country, maybe we should look in the mirror and ask ourselves, God, have I allowed anything in my life to be more important than you? God, have I been worshiping the ark? God, have I had a false god like a Dagon in my life? God, have I allowed anything to come before my love for you? Maybe we need to ask that question, God, am I prepared to seek you? Am I surrendered to you? God, is my attention, is my focus upon you? And may each one of us this morning make the decision that in hard times and in good times, and my attention is gonna be upon the Lord. But maybe you're out there this morning and God doesn't have your attention because God's not a part of your life. Maybe you're there and I would just ask you a very simple question today and that's this question. Do you know where you'll spend eternity when you die? Do you know that if you died today that you'd spend eternity in heaven? You see, the truth is that while God tries to get the attention of those who are followers of him, I believe that all of the time, God is trying to get the attention of those who don't follow him yet. He's trying to draw them to understand his love. And if you're out there today and you've never received Christ in your life, can I tell you this morning that God loves you and he loved you enough to give his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. And it, the Bible actually helps us understand in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Man, he loved you so much. He didn't wanna see you die and go to hell. He didn't wanna see you die in sin and be separated from him. He didn't wanna see that for my life. And so he sent Jesus because of love. And God's plan for Jesus was that Jesus would go and die on the cross as a perfect sacrifice, dying for your sin and for my sin. And then after Jesus was crucified and after he died and was buried, the Bible says that he rose again three days later to prove that he was God. And you know what? Today, we're gonna celebrate that next week. We really celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. But the reason we celebrate the resurrection is because the resurrection brings us hope. And if you are out there today and you look and you'd say, I don't know that God is in my life, I wanna tell you, you can have the hope of knowing that God is in your life if you would simply ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life and save you. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's not something special that save you, saves you. It's just you simply admitting that you believe upon Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection, asking him to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life. I'll tell you this morning that if you're out there and you don't know Christ as your savior, you could make that decision right now. Right now, you could simply pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And I'm putting my faith and trust completely in you. Be my savior. It's not, the, it's not those words that save you. It's just you admitting with your mouth what you're believing in your heart. But if you're out there this morning and you do know Christ as your savior, I wanna encourage you. Would you pray and ask God, God, help the different situations and circumstances in my life to just point my attention back to you. God, help me not to get my focus upon all the, the struggles and things going on, but Lord, to look at them and say, these things can just simply point me to who you are. Thank you so much for listening to this message. 
If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.